Again, I am going to say sorry. Um, I'm still kind of battling the allergies, so I didn't want to make another hour and 30 minute or two hour episode. So I promise by Monday I'm starting to feel a little bit better. So by Monday we should be good to do like an hour or an hour and 30 minute episode. So hope you guys aren't disappointed. I really enjoyed the case today. Hope you guys enjoyed as well and go follow on social media. We do now have a Facebook page. So just type in Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast and it should come up in groups. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Hey all you spooky listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid, period, curiosity, period, TC podcast where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 13. We're going to be covering Jerome or Jerry Brutos, aka the Shoe Fetish Slayer and the Lust Killer. Now, sources for today are Wikipedia, of course, and Murderpedia. Um, This specific murderer was covered on Mindhunter on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's fabulous. Um, Although they did cancel it, I think they're trying to bring it back, though. I don't know. Grab a snack, grab a drink, and let's dive into this. So, Jay Brutus was born in Webster, South Dakota to Henry and Aileen Brutus and was the younger of two sons. Now, although he was the youngest child in the family, he never received enough love and care from his parents. His mother desperately wanted a baby girl for their child because she already had two sons. And she was like super displeased that she had another son instead and constantly subjected him to emotional and physical abuse, which caused him to, of course, grow up to be a hateful and socially awkward individual. Now, she also... um, dressed him as a girl in order to humiliate him. Um, And psychiatrists examining him later in his life believed his violent fantasies revolved around a desperate wish to take revenge on his mother. Kind of like Norman Bates, I guess. So, as a child, Jerry and his family would move into different homes in the Pacific Northwest um, before settling in Salem, Oregon. Now, Jerry had a fetish for women's shoes from the age of five. Um, After playing with a stiletto hill that he found in a local junkyard, he took that hill home where he was like playing with them, trying them on, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And his mother caught him. So his mother flew into an absolute fit and a rage. She took the shoes and destroyed them. He reportedly attempted to steal the shoes of his first grade teacher as well after that, and Jerry also had a fetish for women's underwear and claimed that he would steal underwear from women, like, neighbors as a child. Um, He spent his teen years in and out of psychotherapy and psychiatric hospitals. Now, of course, also in his teenage years, as he was not messed up enough, Jerry began to stalk local women, um, knocking them down and choking them unconscious and then fleeing with their shoes. He literally was robbing people of their shoes. 
I say people, but women. He was robbing women of their shoes. Like, obviously, your son is messed up, right? They didn't care. So, at the age of 17, he actually escalated. He kidnapped a, a girl or a woman and threatened to kill her if she did not fulfill his sexual fantasies. He then forced her to strip and took photographs of her. Now, of course, luckily, this woman survived. Um, he shortly was arrested afterwards, and he was taken to a psychiatric ward of Oregon State Hospital for nine months after that. There it was found Jerry's sexual fantasies revolved around his hatred towards his mother and women in general. He just was not having it. He hated women. He underwent a psychiatric evaluation and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, despite being institutionalized, Jerry graduated from high school with his class in 1957. Shortly after graduation, he became an electronics technician. So... Um, he graduated his class. Now, I should say before he was the electronics technician, he spent a brief time in the U.S. Army and was discharged because he had bizarre obsessions that they just were like, uh, no, and sent him back home pretty much. So he began working as an electrician. When he was 22, he married a 17-year-old child named Darcy Metzler and the couple moved first to Portland, Oregon. Of course, you know, they had two children there together, a daughter named Megan in 1962 and a son named Jason in 1967. Now, sources say some of his friends described him as a devoted family man who never drank or smoked and barely ever used profanity. And of course, you know, that's what they say about all crazy serial killer men, right? Yeah. I think so, anyway. Heck, look at Ted Bundy and everybody else. Like, come on. <laughs> they're all picture perfect until they're not. Anyway, so he would ask Darcy, and this was her sign to run for the hills. Not, you know, she eventually did later. We'll get into it. But this was, this was red flag number one, right? Okay, first off, the age difference. Eh. But he would ask Darcy to do housework fully naked, except for a pair of high heels, and he took pictures of her while doing her household chores, right? Should have ran, Darcy, you should have ran. Um, now, it was about this time that he began complaining of migraine headaches and blackouts, supposedly, right? Relieving his symptoms with night prowling raids to steal women's shoes and undergarments. So... As he got older, he still had the habit of going out on the night or in the night and going to some neighbor's house, I guess, stealing some underwear and bras and shoes and whatever else that he can probably get a hold of. Um, now, also, I will put it into perspective here. He kind of resembles Norman Bates. Um, hatred for his mother, hating women, that kind of thing. Now, Jerry would experience a transvestite period, and that was a news article's words, not mine. Um, so, he used, like, a female persona, kind of like Norman Bates, as a form of escape mechanism. Now, he did keep the shoes. He kept the underwear. He kept whatever else, right? And for a period of time, when it did escalate and he did have bodies of his victims, he kept them in the garage. And he would not allow his wife to enter without first announcing her arrival on an intercom that he had set up for her to use. So, that way... He wouldn't be caught with anything. So now we get into the escalated situations. Okay, so now 
it doesn't have a specific date, mind you, but in 1956 and or 1957, there was an unnamed woman who was abducted, beaten, and threatened with a knife, but was rescued. Never knew, never figured out what happened to her. Um, that was kind of like his first incident, right? Or technically not his first, but second, I guess. Um, now, May 1967, there was an unnamed woman. She was strangled to the point of unconsciousness, then raped, but she did survive. He followed a woman to her house, and this was kind of an explanation. He followed her to her house only because he liked her shoes. He barged into her house, strangled her, and then brutally raped her. Before moving out of her house, he took some of her shoes with him. Although this was one of the very first few of his crimes, he could not be connected to it until he was imprisoned later. Much later. And so now he escalates from, you know, the May 1967th incident. It escalated. So January 26, 1968, there was a young woman named Linda Lawson who was 19 she was a door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman who knocked on his door, coincidentally, right? He lured her into the basement while his wife and children were still in the house, mind you. Knocked her out with a wooden plank and strangled her. He dressed her in different female undergarments and shoes from the previous, you know, raids that he done from people's houses nearby arranged her body in provocative poses, and used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he then kept in a freezer and used it to model his collection of high heels that he had stolen, and he then disposed of her body in the Wilmette River. Don't know if I said that correct. Don't come for me. But her body was never recovered, unfortunately. So just a little bit about Linda. Um, I did try to find as much information about our victims as possible to kind of give them a life outside of being a murder victim. So, Linda was born January 7th, 1949, and she was the fourth child of six to Mildred Murphy or Slauson and Wilbur Glenn Slauson. At the time of her death, she was survived by her parents, her two brothers, Richard and David, three sisters, Diane, Barbara, and Teresa, her per, um, parental grandmother, Ada, Ad, Ada, Ada Slauson, and many aunts, uncles, and cousins. Um, at the time of her death, Linda was living in Portland, Oregon with her mom, brother David, and sisters Barbara and Teresa. Um, like I said earlier, her body was never recovered. And um, just a heads up, Brutus never was prosecuted for her death due to lack of evidence and uh, no body is what I'm assuming. So... Moving on. As we move on, March 27th, 1969, we have Karen Sprinker. Um, She was 18. She was abducted at gunpoint from a parking lot outside of a department store. Jerry was dressed in women's clothing during this attack. Um, So he took her to his garage, made her try on his collection of undergarments, and posed while he photographed her. He then raped her and strangled her by hanging her by her neck from a pulley. Uh, Jerry then did have sex with um, her corpse on several occasions. He cut off her breasts to make plastic molds 
Afterward, he tied the body to a six-cylinder car engine with nylon cord and threw her in the same river. Um, now, Karen uh, was an honor student at Oregon State. Uh, she was um, co-ed. She was supposed to meet her mother for lunch and never made it. So, now they did find her body May 12th, 1969. Um it was found in the Long Tom River near Monroe, of course, with the car engine. And this was a quote from Brutos about the murder of Karen. Quote, I went back out later and had sex with her. Then I cut off both of her breasts to make plastic molds. End quote. So after his first two successful murders, um, he then decided he was going to try again. So... April 21st, 1969, Sharon Wood, who was 24, he tried to abduct her in a parking garage at gunpoint and failed. So he was like, screw it, I'm going to go out tomorrow. Went out the very next day, April 22nd, 1969, and saw Gloria Jean Smith, who was 15 years old, mind you, um, walking near a middle school. She actually eventually identified him and the car uh, that he tried to take her to, which was like a green Volkswagen Carmen Gia, I think is how you say it. Um, it was later identified to belong to his mother. Um, so she actually saw someone working in the in a front yard nearby, yelled and like pulled away and got away from him, thankfully. But she was a baby. I think she's a baby. You know what I mean? She's a child. Like that's pretty young for what he's been doing. So, after those two failed attempts, the next day, he goes back out. So, the very, very next day, April 23rd, same year, 69, Linda Sale, 22, was abducted from a shopping mall parking lot. Jerry brought her to the garage where he then raped her and strangled her and played with her corpse. Now, ask me, what does that mean? I have no idea. They did not go into detail, but every report I've seen, it said that he played with her corpse. I don't know. I, I don't know. But he did decide not to cut her breasts off because they were, quote, too pink, and instead applied an electrical current to the body in an attempt to make it jump, which, of course, failed. Um, afterward, he tied the her body to a car transmission with a nylon cord like he did before threw her in the same river. Um, now, Linda Sell of Beaverton, she was a secretary and attended classes part-time at Portland State University. Um, her body was found May 10th, 1969 in the same exact river as the others. So, after he disposed of Linda, Sale, um, in the river where he dumped the other bodies, November 26, 1968 comes, which brings us to Jan Susan Whitney, who was 23. Her car broke down on the Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany. He pulled over, offered her a ride to his house where she could call a tow truck. She got in the car. While in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap and raped her post-mortem. Now, he kept her body hanging from the pulley in the garage for several days. He 
in that time, dressed her body, had sex with her body, and photographed it. This time, Brutus cut one of her breasts, made a resin mold out of it, and then used it as a paperweight. After he tied her body to a piece of railroad iron and threw it in the river along with Slauson's foot, which had, by that point, had started to decompose, even with being in the freezer. Um, so, uh, same thing. He, the pulley thing, that's how Karen died. He hung her from that. So, just so you guys know. Anyway, um, so yeah, just a little bit about this resin breast paperweight. I want to get into that, um, here in just a second. Um, one more thing. They did find her body July 27th, 1969, um, in the same river. So, skipping to his wife, Darcy. Okay, so Darcy completely ignored the obvious clues about her husband's deadly activities, including the time he brought home an actual human breast, which was hers, which, not Darcy's, but which was Jan's, um, to make a paperweight. Like, the f- the fuck is wrong with you ignoring that? <sighs> anyway. She knew that her husband had a thing for cross-dressing. She was like, eh, ignore it. It's fine. So, as he'd previously approached her in women's underwear and heels, but she still had said nothing when police reported that eyewitnesses had described the suspected killer as a large man in women's clothing. Now, granted, he probably was not the only man who was into cross-dressing for whatever, you know, like... Do you, boo, but, like, don't be killing people, you know? Don't, if your husband ever comes home, ladies, and you think this man's a serial killer, I expect you to freaking report this man. (laughs) I don't care if he's your husband. So, excuse me. So, she also knew about, you know, him leaving home late at night and returning with women's clothing and shoes. She was also aware that he had a dark room where he developed those photographs of the nude women or the photos of the women that he was murdering. However, she did not seem to be concerned about that unusual behavior. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. But, as reported by Listverse, Darcy Burdos was arrested along with her husband and charged as an accomplice. Now, a neighbor initially claimed she saw Darcy and him carrying an unconscious woman. However, as the witness was discredited during the trial, there was no other proof, and her case against her was dismissed. So, we are, we already know this man's going to be getting arrested. I'm getting there, but just so you guys know, she was charged as an accomplice, but they dropped it because they couldn't prove it otherwise besides that witness. So, keep that in mind. So, Jerry probably thought he was pretty smart. Um, uh, obviously not, because this man was um, stupid enough to dump all of his murder victims into the same river. First off, first mistake, okay? Uh, not only that, he did keep evidence of his crimes. Stupid. Uh, not giving you murder tips, but stupid. Uh, so, of course, they were like, uh-huh, let's, let's take a further further look at this, right? So, they went over to the Oregon State University. They questioned some of the um, female students. They found evidence about a man who looked like a war veteran and often called up female students and asked them out on dates. 
one of the students had actually agreed to go out with him. Girl, what you thinking, first off? And she was told, um, excuse sorry, I'm on a rant in my head. She told the police how the man talked about murdering women and strangling them. The police decided to set, like, a honey trap for catching Jerry. So, Lord have mercy. I would have ran so far from that date. I hope she did. I hope she ran away, but they set up a honey trap with her. So, police interrogated him and looked for further evidence at his house. What did they find? They found a lot of evidence that proved Jerry's involvement in the crimes. They found photographs of the victim and the same nylon rope that was used to weigh the bodies down for the car parts and possibly to strangle them. And Jerry was finally apprehended in 1969 after three of the bodies had been found in the same river. Now, one local college girl interviewed by police described a date she'd gone on with a, quote, heavyset man with light hair and freckles who claimed to be a Vietnam War veteran, mentioned the dead women who had been found and suggested that perhaps he would take her to the river and strangle her as well. The police asked the woman to call him back and arrange a second date, but when Jerry arrived to pick her up, the police were waiting for him instead. Stupid. You a stupid man. Sorry. He aggravates me because he probably thinks like, you know, since he hates women and stuff, he probably thinks, oh, they're so stupid. You know, like, I can get away with anything. I've already done this many things, you know. So dumb. Anyway, after a lengthy interrogation, uh, he did confess to all four murders, the two attempted abductions, and several additional assaults, as stated earlier. He could only be tried and convicted for three of the murders, as Slauson's body was never found, and he had neither taken photographs of her nor kept his trophy from her body. So, she just unfortunately disappeared, um, pretty much, right? So, of course, you know, this man was stupid. We're gonna, we're gonna call him stupid for the rest of the thing, um, cause he deserves it. So, on June 28th, stupid pleaded guilty for three first-degree murders and was given three consecutive life sentences, right? His wife officially divorced him and married, or moved to another city, excuse me. Now, uh, from what I did find, she did move off with a whole new identity, so she's, you know, I don't, I don't know what she's doing now. So, while in jail, his fetish did not go away, obviously. It's a fetish. He often asked for catalogs of women's shoes, saying that they served as pornography for him. His request for parole was rejected in 1995. So after he was sentenced and all that kind of stuff, uh, Jan, Susan Whitney, her body was found a month after his conviction, about a mile downstream from where he said he had actually discarded her corpse. Uh, now, while incarcerated, Jerry had piles of women's shoes catalogs in his cell. Um, why they gave that to him, I have no idea. He Or he probably paid another inmate for him or some shit. Who knows? He wrote a, um, excuse me, he wrote to major companies requesting them and claimed they were like his substitute for pornography, like I said earlier. He lodged countless appeals, including one in which he alleged that a photograph taken of him with one of his victim's corpses could not prove his guilt. Like, are you that stupid? That's why we're calling you stupid for the rest of this episode. Um, because it was not the body of the person he 
was convicted of killing in 1995, the parole board told Jerry, uh, too bad, you're staying in prison, you're not going to be released. So, that's a little bit more detail to what I said just a second ago. Now, thankfully, um, <laughs> Stupid died in prison on March 28, 2006 at 5.10 a.m., at 67 years old, from liver cancer, and I hope he suffered tremendously. Cancer sucks. I only wish it on him. Um, at the time of his death, he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. So he totaled about 37 years from 1990, excuse me, 1969 to 2006. Now, this is a quote from one of the Salem detectives who tracked him down. Quote, he was one of the true monsters of the United States or the world, perhaps, end quote. And that was from James Stovall. Stovall? Yeah. Sorry, I'm dyslexic. James Stovall. So let's get into what we all want to know. Modus operandi. M.O.s, right? So his murders were initially entirely opportunistic. Um, but he began to evolve his M.O. in later murders. He would abduct young women from public locations and take them to his home. Mind you, his family was there. There, he would strangle or bludgeon them to death. After killing them, he would engage in acts of necrophilia with their bodies, even dress them up in his victim's clothing uh, that he had stole and stuff. Um... He also kept trophies from his victims, such as a pair of amputated breasts that were used as paperweights and a severed left foot, which he used to model his shoe collection. After satisfying his desires with the bodies, he would dump them into local rivers, all the same river, having tied mechanical parts to weigh them down. So, he, he went from, you know... Doing the whole, like, I'm going to go rob some panties. You know, you see that in movies sometimes. Oh, let's go steal this lady's panties. I don't know how many times I've seen that in, like, 2000s movies. Um, you want to go on a panty raid kind of thing. He started doing that. He started doing that. And then he escalated to attacking women, choking them unconscious, stealing their shoes off of their body. And then, of course, you know, they would survive. And then he escalated to full-on murder. So... His M.O. did change over the time of his crimes. So, back to the Mindhunter thing. If you guys have Netflix, I highly suggest the show. Uh, they did cancel it because I think it was like, what they said, it was like too expensive or some crap to produce or whatever. It was super good. I got so addicted to it. And then I was like, no, they're not making any more seasons. So, I think there's two seasons total. Um, this particular serial killer was covered on uh, episode 7, season 1. Uh, by Happy Anderson is who portrayed him in the show. This show, like I said, is super addictive. You're going to get pissed and want to throw something by the time you get to the end because there is no more seasons and it sucks. So it was such a good show. But yeah, you guys go check that out. Also go check out Instagram. Um, I've already posted some of the photos that I could find of jerry and his wife our victims um and some of the evidence and stuff so go check it out i'll see you guys next monday for a new episode